I just want to reiterate what Barry said earlier. just want to say thank you for being here. Thanks for visiting with us if this is your first time. Trinity, great to see you guys. Glad you're here. Thanks for taking time out of your day on this snowy day. Man, that did not transition uh, slowly at all. Um, as a guy from Tennessee, that just freaked me out. Um, so I have to get used to that every year. Let's pray, and we're going to get right into this today. And uh, just let's pray and ask the Lord to open up our hearts. Father, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you again for your presence. Thank you that your grace is sufficient for us. Lord, I pray today that we, uh, we would love you more, that we would receive your love in a greater way, that, Lord, just that you would speak to our hearts in a very real way. Holy Spirit, illuminate the word to us. Open up the word of God to us. Lord, let us love Jesus more than we did when we came in. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, today we're going to finish up a series that I've been doing called Going Above and Beyond. Uh, you can see the title of the message. We're going to be talking about Jesus today, and I'm kind of tying it in. That's kind of a complex uh, title, but Above and Beyond, Jesus, and uh, having a Thanksgiving creed and just kind of in a spirit of Thanksgiving as we celebrate Thanksgiving this week. But over the last couple of months, we've been talking about what it means to go above and beyond in our faith, in our walk with Christ. His invitation uh, to us to, to more than just survival and just barely making it through. And, you know, one day we're so glad that we get to heaven, but to, to walk in the purposes that he has for us here on the earth, to go from survival to thriving as Christ followers. Because we are called to advance and build the kingdom of God while we're here on the earth. We're called to reveal him to the people that we come in contact with in our words and our actions to be Jesus to the world. We are all created with a plan and a purpose in mind. We're going to be talking a little bit more about that later. But it's an eternal plan that not only includes this earth, but promises for the life to come. That God has created us to go above and beyond. We're, we, we all have a job to do that Jesus created us uniquely for to accomplish on the earth. And so how do we live that out? And we talked about the different topics of, of how do we go above and beyond in our faith. And I'm just going to touch in on these because it's going to make sense as I tie it together at the end. But how do we live a life that goes above and beyond for Jesus? Number one was surrender. Surrender that Jesus wants all of us. He wants every part of our lives. I prayed that earlier where Jesus said, he said, you know, if you wanted to boil the two command, the great, the, the commandments all down to two, it's love God with everything that you are and love your neighbor as yourself. And he said the law and the prophets can be summed up in these two things, loving God with everything and loving people. So that place of surrender that Jesus wants all of our lives. He wants full control. He wants us to live life with him. Secondly, we talked about faith. You know, that passage that says, without faith, it's impossible to please God. Not faith in faith, but faith in God and that we, we, we come into agreement with what he's doing and what he's saying, believing who he says he is. Then we talked about courage, living courageously for him in a world that really doesn't really know him, in a world of darkness, to live courageously for him, being a living example of his love and his work in our lives. Then we talked about obedience. We talked about Gideon, if you guys remember that, and 
Obedience is greater than sacrifice. Obeying him and his word every day. Then we talked about trust. Trust is really the ultimate form of faith. It's trusting him even when we don't understand what's happening in our lives. When Jesus said, in this world you will have trouble, he meant it. And that place of trust, that ultimate form of faith of saying, I trust you, I love you, I will serve you no matter what. Even if things on this earth, even if things in this life don't make sense, I will trust you. So how do we live these things? You know, we, we can take those topics and say, that sounds great, but how? And I think it boils down to this. It's being fully convinced of what Jesus did for us and why he did it. Because when we understand and we get a revelation of what Jesus did, why he did it, I think it will change everything. Do we really believe that he did what he did? Do we really believe what he said about himself? But it's knowing in our hearts and our minds that ultimately, when we think about going above and beyond, it's Jesus went above and beyond for us. You know, one of the first messages that I did, you know, I showed you the picture of that guy that won the Medal of Honor, and he was, you know, for courageous acts on the battlefield, and his hand was blown off, and he saved uh, his, you know, his companions and the fellow troops, and he grabbed the grenade, and he threw it, and as he threw it, you know, it, it blew his hand off, and we hear these stories of, of how people have jumped on grenades to save others' lives, And, we, and we, we hear that phrase that these people went above and beyond the call of duty. Well, to live above and beyond, we need to understand that Jesus went above and beyond. And he took death upon himself. And we're going to be talking about what he did and why he did what he did. But he initiated going above and beyond for us. It's interesting as we dedicate a baby to the Lord and I, I got to meet with Andrew the other day, and uh, we're talking about babies. And, you know, and this topic came up, and it kind of struck a chord with me later on that day as we had talked that morning. And uh, a baby really can't do anything for you. You know, they, they really make no contribution to the family when they're that little. They're pretty demanding, aren't they? They let you know when they're hungry. They let you know when their diaper is filled. And you, know, and you can look at it from an observational thing and say that the baby really doesn't make much of a contribution to the family. They're pretty selfish. They're self-centered. But I tell you what, your love for that baby, you would do absolutely anything in the world for that child. And we just talked about, you know, when, when you know, your wife is pregnant and you, you know, and, and you don't even know this baby yet, and then they're born, and then you fall instantaneously in love with this child, and there's like the, the, this unbelievable amount of love that just goes, whoa, I couldn't believe that I could love someone this much. Why do I talk about that? It's how Jesus feels about us. When we're self-centered, which we can be, when we're struggling and we 
do things that are totally against him sometimes, that his love never gives up, as the song says today, never runs out. So I want to, today, I want to talk about Jesus. I want to talk about how he went above and beyond for us. I want to talk about what he did and why he did it. I want it to be a challenge to not only you, but to my own heart to today to, 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 to ask this question, do we really believe what we believe? You know, a creed is something that you adhere to. It's a belief that you adhere to. And we can be you know, we can grow up in the church, and I grew up in the church, and you hear a lot of things, and you hear all these Bible stories, and you hear these encouraging things, but at some point in our hearts, the revelation part is said, do I really believe what I believe? Is Jesus just a good idea that we conjure up in our minds that we, you know, try, try to feel better about ourselves? Are we fully convinced of what we say we believe? And here's the convicting part. Do we live like we believe it? Do we have just head knowledge of him? Or is it transformational knowledge that affects my life? So my hope today is that when we leave today, that each of us love Jesus more than when we did when we came in. Because his story, folks, as he went above and beyond for us, his story is the greatest superhero story of all time. I wrote a little bit about that in, in, in the uh, newsletter. But growing up, I loved superheroes. Any superhero fans we have here? Come on, get them up. Admit it. Some of the men are like, you know, maybe. I loved reading the comics. I was a comic book kid. You know, I love the old comics, the Spider-Man. I had a cousin that had the original edition of the very first Spider-Man comic. It was worth a lot of money, too. I don't know where that is today, so I wish I could find it. Um, he didn't give it to me, but uh, I, loved, I loved superheroes. I think there's something in us that is drawn to Someone going above and beyond. That's why we love the stories when you watch someone that has won the Medal of Honor and you hear these going above and beyond stories or you hear these heroic stories. Something in your heart just comes alive because we're, we're made to be drawn to that. But you know, the drama that unfolds and you're just, as you're working through the comic and now they have the movies, you know, and you're just wondering these situations, these scenarios, how is the hero going to rescue these people that are, you know, something's going on, they're stranded, they're, you know, the, 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 there's an enemy that's got a hold of them, and how is this going to happen? How, how is he going to swoop in and save the day? And they build you up, and the drama unfolds, you know, at the end, you know, he flies in, swoops in, runs in, you know, whatever, and saves the day, you know, and they have you up here, and you're not quite sure, and then he always comes through. Except the dark comics nowadays where the heroes are dying. I don't like those. So, um. But we're drawn to that. I love superheroes. And I really love Jesus because he's the greatest superhero of all time. It was the greatest rescue story of all time of him coming. So we're going to take a look at what Jesus did and why he did it. We're going to I'm just going to run down a list here, and I'm going to spend a little bit of time on each of these, but I'm kind of calling it the Thanksgiving Creed, also to remind us what we can be thankful for. If you're wondering what do you have to be thankful for, look no further than Jesus. His story is amazing, 
And what's great is it's not just his story, but he invites us into his story. I want our response after today to be filled with overwhelming thanks and gratitude to him. And that it further transforms our lives to become more and more like him. Because that's the invitation to us. It's kind of a thanksgiving creed. So what he did, first and foremost, I want to say this, everything he did was out of his love for us. And again, I, I know that some of this stuff today you're going to hear, you, you've heard it before, you heard it growing up, the love of God, and we can miss the absolute powerful profoundness, if that's a word, of his deep, deep, deep love for us. But everything that Jesus did, everything that God did was out of his intense love for us. God's love is the most pure, it's the most intense, it's the most amazing love that we could ever know. And again, I'm, I'm convinced that if people really believed how much God loved them, it would make us want to follow him, it would make us love him back forever and ever. Everything he ever did was love for you and me. Going above and beyond was out of his great love. God's intentions were always relationship with human beings. You go back to the very beginning, his intentions in the garden where it says that he would go in the cool of the day and he would meet with Adam and Eve and he would talk with them. He created them for relationship with himself. We know the story, they sin, they disobey, so it separated them from his presence and, and our sin separates us from God. But that didn't mean that his intentions stopped. He still wanted relationship. I love what Paul says in Ephesians chapter 3. He's talking about the love of God. And he said, I wish you would know. And, 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 and you can almost hear the intensity of his heart that he's, and this is a, you know, a prayer that he's praying for the Ephesians, and not just for the Ephesians, but for all believers. He said, I want you to know how high, how deep, how wide, and how long the love of God is. And he even says this, it's a love, I want you to know it, but you really can't know it. That's what he says. I want you to know something, he said, and it surpasses knowledge. And you can almost hear him saying, if you could just get a little bit of understanding of what God feels for you, it would change everything. It would change you forever. I want you to know how high, because there, you can't even reach that high. How wide. It is wider than you can even imagine. How deep. It's deeper than you could ever go. And it's longer than you can ever imagine of his love for you, and it surpasses knowledge. And so all of these things that we're about to go through, out of his intense, pure, amazing, and perfect love for you and me, number one is God created. Out of and all of these, out of his love for you and for me, created. What is the first sentence of the Bible? In the beginning, God created. He first made the heavens and the earth, but that was not the crown of his creation. He created mankind for a relationship with himself. You and I are here today because God made us. He intended to make us. Before you were ever born, he knew you. At the foundation of the earth, when he was forming Adam out of the dust of the ground, he was, his thoughts and his minds were also toward us. He made us because he loves us and he has a plan for us. Listen to Psalm 139. 
David is pouring out, and David gets this revelation of what God feels for him. He says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body, and you can apply this to yourself. Especially as we look at that, a baby this morning. He says, you made all the delicate inner parts of my body. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Thank you for making me so wonderfully complex. Your workmanship is marvelous, how well I know it. You watched me as I was being formed in utter seclusion, as I was woven together in the dark of the womb. You saw me before I was born. I love this. You saw me before I was born. Every day of my life was recorded in your book. Every moment was laid out before a single day had passed. How precious are your thoughts about me, O oh God. They cannot be numbered. And then he goes on to say, I can't even count them. They outnumber the grains of sand, the thoughts of God towards us. We have to understand the intensity of God's love for us, that out of his intense, pure, amazing, perfect love, he made us. He created us. And not only did he love us in the here and now, he loved us at the foundations of the earth before we were formed in our mother's womb. We know the story, you know, the sin came in, it separated us from the perfect and holy God. So what was God's response to that separation? He wanted relationships, sin separated. So number two is this, out of his love, out of his intense, pure, amazing, perfect love, God gave us Jesus. You can go to number two. So man chose sinfulness, and the, the, the sin separated us from God, as the Word of God says. So what was God's response? God gave us Jesus. God so loved the world. We all know that passage. Get that in your spirit, though, in a new way today. God so loved the world that He gave His only Son that whoever would believe in Him would not perish but have eternal life. And again, He's not just talking about head knowledge, belief. He's talking about transformational knowledge. Do we really believe what we say we believe? Sin did not lessen his love. It did create a separation. It created a chasm between us and God. But in love, he gave his son to bridge the chasm. And so number three, out of his intense, pure, amazing, perfect love, he went above and beyond. Jesus left heaven. Jesus left heaven. Philippians 2 says this, about Christ. It says, being in the very nature of God, he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped, but made himself nothing. Taking the very nature of a servant, being made in human likeness. So he left the glory, the splendor, the majesty of heaven where he was. And out of his love, because there was a separation, he came to bridge the chasm between us and God. Jesus left heaven for us. Jesus left heaven for us out of his love for us to become one of us. Number four, out of his love, out of his intense, pure, amazing love, he, be, he came in humility as one of us. We know the story that he was conceived by the Holy Spirit. We're getting ready to go into the, uh, the season of Advent when we celebrate the, the coming of Christ when Jesus was conceived by the Holy Spirit and born to a lowly virgin girl named Mary. Even the way Jesus came was in great humility. 
He wasn't born in prestige and wealth, but in humility. He wasn't born in a palace, but a stable. Even the way he came demonstrated his love, that he came as a servant in humility for mankind. So Jesus left heaven, and he became one of us out of his love for us. And, you, and it makes you wonder, you know, God could have done it any way God wanted to do it. He could have beamed Jesus down as an adult, you know, just beamed him down to the earth, let him live for a short period of time, and then go to the cross because he had to die for our sins. And, but there was something about him being born as a baby, having to, you know, having to learn how to talk and walk. Going through all of the things that we would go through in human life as a toddler, as a kid, as a teenager, as a young adult, facing all the challenges, being raised in a home where there was a stigma on that home because of Mary being pregnant out of wedlock. But out of his love, he came in humility. And number five is that he lived for us. Out of his love for us, he lived for us. Hebrews 4.15 says this, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like we are, yet without sin. So that's why Jesus lived for us. Out of his love for us, he lived for us and endured temptation. And he is a high priest that understands us. He had to live a sinless life so that he could become the spotless Lamb of God, which John said about him, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He lived, lived for us in perfection because sin demanded a perfect sacrifice. And Jesus was that sacrifice. So he endured temptation, and we know the devil came and tried to tempt him and tried to knock him off track, but he lived for us. And so that's why that, that, you know, he was acquainted with our infirmities. He's acquainted with our griefs. Then number six is out of his intense love for us, he became our sin. Did you know that Jesus became sin itself? You know, a lot of times we can talk about that, 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 that Jesus bore our sins, and that is, there's, there's truth to that, but he actually became sin. He didn't just bear our sin, shame, and guilt. He became it. 2 Corinthians 5.21 says this, God made him, Jesus, who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Jesus not only bore our sin, he became sin our sin. And so becoming our sin that he would take our punishment of, of sin upon himself. And again, we all have sinned. We were born into sin. Our natures are to sin. Romans 3 tells us, and we're, a lot of us are familiar with this passage, it says all have sinned. Every one of us have sinned. We've fallen short of God's standard of his glorious righteousness. We all fall short. Then Paul takes it a step further in Romans 6 and says, we all have sinned, yes, and here's the, here's the consequences of that. The wages of sin, the payment of sin is death. We all deserve death because we all have sinned. And so sin demands a death punishment. 
And Jesus, our great hero, steps in on the scene and becomes sin itself. And we see the story unfold, number seven, out of his great, out of his intense, out of his pure, amazing love, he was beaten for you and me out of love. He was bruised for us. He was mocked. He was abandoned. He was crucified. Acquainted with our sufferings and our sorrows and our griefs. You know, whatever you face today, as far as sorrows, griefs, struggles, Jesus understands you. I'm going to read from Isaiah 53. Some passage that we use a lot on Good Friday. But I want you to hear the heartbeat of this out of God's love for us. And I'm going to even preface it, uh, Isaiah 53, 4 through 10, I'm going to preface it by saying, out of God's intense, perfect love, it was our weaknesses that he carried. It was our sorrows that weighed him down. And we thought his troubles were a punishment from God, a punishment for his own sins, but he was pierced for our rebellion. He was crushed for our sins. He was beaten so we could be whole. He was whipped so we, could be, we would be healed. All of us, like sheep, have strayed away. We have left God's path to follow our own. Yet the Lord laid on him the sins of us all. He was oppressed and treated harshly, yet he never said a word. He was led like a lamb to the slaughter. And as a sheep is silent before the shearers, he did not open his mouth. Unjustly condemned, he was led away. No one cared that he died without descendants, that his life was cut short in midstream. But he was struck down for the rebellion of my people. He had done no wrong and had never deceived anyone, but he was buried like a criminal. He was put in a rich man's grave. And then listen to verse 10. I don't know if you've ever heard this quite like this in the heart of, of out of God's love for us. It was the Lord's good plan. Some translations say this. It was the Lord's good pleasure to crush him and cause him grief. Yet when his life is made an offering for sin, he will have many descendants. Did you hear that? It was the Lord's good plan to crush him. Does that sound like God is sadistic in some way? Absolutely not. It was God's plan to give Jesus his only son out of his love, his intense, pure, and perfect love. It was God's good plan to crush him. Because he became sin, God judged him as sin. That is why on the cross, Jesus says, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? Because he felt the judgment of God on sin and God turning away from him in that moment. This is how much God loves us. But he didn't stay dead, thank God. He was buried. And number eight is this, out of his love, yes, he was risen from the dead. He rose from the dead because he loved us. He did not stay dead. He defeated death. Hell and the grave, as the word of God says. He became the first fruits of the promise of the, of the resurrection. Because Jesus resurrected from the dead, it gives us the, the hope and, and the eternal promise that we will also be resurrected from the dead. Because he defeated death, our earthly death isn't the end of us. Isn't that good news? We don't just stop when we pass from this earthly life into death, but we will live forever. 
So number nine, he also, out of his great love for us, he ascended to the Father and he sent the Holy Spirit. I love in John 14 and John 16 where Jesus is promising the Holy Spirit and he says this to his disciples and you know, you can almost feel their pain because he's been talking about leaving and they're not quite sure what he's getting, getting at. But he said, it's good that I go away. And, and, and you can almost imagine what they're thinking is, no, this is not good that you go away. There could be nothing that good, good could come out of you going away. But Jesus said this, it's good that I go away so that my father will send another counselor. He will come. He will convict the world of sin. He will testify to the truth who is Jesus. He will give you power to be my witnesses. He will reveal Christ in and through you. And so the reason why Jesus was saying it's good that I go away is he said, the Holy Spirit will be in you and it will be me everywhere. That's why it's good that I go away. The Holy Spirit will guide you. He will help you to live a godly life. He will give you gifts. He will give you fruits to advance the kingdom of God. And it's Jesus' promise of saying he'll never leave you alone. God will never leave you alone. He won't leave you as orphans. So he sent the Holy Spirit out of his love for us. Number 10, out of his great love, he is mindful of us right this minute. Romans 8.34, listen to this promise. Who is he that condemns? Christ Jesus, who died more than that, who was raised to life, is at the right hand of God and is also interceding for us. Do you know that Jesus prays for you? Right now, Jesus prays for you. Out of his great love, he is mindful of us right now. This overwhelmed David. Remember when David said, who is man that you're mindful of him? He said, I, I look up into the, the, the stars and the planets and I see your creation, that you're the creator of heaven and earth and you are awesome. And, you know, we see all these galaxies and galaxies that we can't even see and these stars that are bigger than our entire galaxy. And David is looking up and, you know, and he's just like, whoa, what is man that you're mindful of him? God is mindful of you out of his love for us. Jesus is now at the right hand of the Father and he's making intercession for us that he loves us that much. Then number 11, is out of his love, he's preparing a place for us. John 14, he says to his disciples, he said, don't let your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, you believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. In other words, Jesus is saying, I'm not just trying to blow smoke at you to try to make you feel better. If it weren't true, I wouldn't have told you this. But I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, you might be also. And he's saying, this is truth. I'm going to prepare a place for you. And then the promise of number 12, out of his love, his intense love for us, is he is coming back again. He follows up that statement in John 14. He says this, if I go away, I will come back to you and take you to be with me. If I, if I went up, I'm going to come back. And remember when he was ascending after the resurrection and his followers were looking and he goes up and they watch him go up right before their eyes. And then these angels come down and they said, men of Galilee, why do you stand here gazing? 
Acts chapter 1. Why do you stand here gazing? This same Jesus who you saw go up, he will come back in like manner. He is coming back again. So we have these promises, all of these promises, simply if we live our lives for him, receiving him as our Savior, surrendering our lives to him. Have you ever looked at this creed, this thing? And, and, and the reason why I broke those down is, is, is lately in my prayer time, I've been, I've been kind of praying through these steps. And that's why I feel like the Lord kind of gave me this message through a period of prayer. I've been praying these of just thanking God. God, you really love me and you created me and you sent your son for me and he died for me and he gave his life for me. Now he's preparing a place for me. And I've been praying through all of this kind of as almost a personal creed. It is powerful how much God loves us. And I say with Paul, if you could understand just a little bit, it would change everything. So we have so much to be thankful for of what he did out of his love for us. Listen to this Romans 5.8, but God demonstrates his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God demonstrated his love. 1 John 4, 9 and 10. This is how God showed his love among us. He sent his one and only son to the world that we might live through him. This is love. Not that we love God, but he loved us and sent his son as an atoning sacrifice for our sins. This is the love of God. God was driven by love for you and me. You know, we've been talking about going above and beyond in our walk with Christ and what that means and how we walk it out. Surrender, trust, obedience, courage, and faith. And today we turn the tables and say these are the exact things that Jesus did for us. He went above and beyond for you and me. He surrendered, first of all, to his Father's will. Not my will, but yours be done. He trusted the plan of the Father. He obeyed the Father and then walked out the most courageous rescue plan in history. He laid his life down for us. And he became our hero. And I think about it in the garden when Jesus was praying and you know, this, this, he was sweating blood and he was thinking about what was getting ready to take place. And all of us can almost, you, know, you, you can kind of almost imagine, you know, we can't really even touch it, but you can imagine a little bit of what he was feeling, not just the physical stuff that he knew what he was about to go through. But here's the plan of the Father. I'm going to make you sin, and I'm going to pour out all of the wrath of God upon you as sinfulness. And you're going to endure it physically, emotionally, mentally. You're going to endure it. Why? Because I love them that much. And so Jesus endured. Hebrews 12 says this, that for the joy that was set before him, Jesus endured the shame of the cross. Who was the joy? You and I. You and I were the joy that was set before him. And he became our hero. While we were yet sinners, he came, he left glory of, the glory of heaven. He came on the greatest rescue mission of all. And here's the thing. We got ourselves into this mess. Yes, the, the, the superhero stories to go back, you know, a lot of times you have 
you know, and there is an enemy to our souls, and the, the enemy only has access to that which we give him. And, and Jesus said the enemy comes to kill, steal, and destroy. So you do have the bad guy, and he's out to destroy us. But, you know, our sin really is what got us into the mess, and we're kind of hanging from this cliff going, God, help us. And Jesus swoops in, and he saves the day. And not only does he save the day, but he actually takes death for us. You don't ever see a hero, a superhero doing that. I'll die for you. And then you definitely don't ever see a superhero saying, because of that, I'm going to adopt you as my own children. That would make a great comic book. Superhero swooping and save the day, and by the way, I'm going to die for you, and then I'm going to adopt you as my children. That's the rescue mission that Jesus did for us. He came and rescued us from sin. But to, not just there, but to make us God's children, that we have been, we, we, we've been given the spirit of adoption whereby we can call out, Abba, Father. Do you believe that today? Do you really believe this today? Do you believe how much God loves you? Is this your creed? I encourage you to make this your creed. Really go through the, the, the thoughts of God's love for you and say, God, I really want to apply this to my life. I really want to believe this. I want to really live like I believe it. Instead of just something that I hear with my ears and yeah, I've heard that all my life and blah, blah, blah. Does, does this really affect my life? Do I really understand how much God loves me? This week, as you celebrate with your family and this time of Thanksgiving, and I don't know, uh, you know, what we do as a family, we'll go around the, the, the table and we just say, you know, what are you thankful for? And, you know, we, we do that, and, I, and I'm so thankful for my wife and my children, my family, but I encourage you to take some time out this week and really remember Jesus, what he did for you, how much he loves you, and take time as a, you know, whatever you do for your Thanksgiving, at least take a moment to thank him for giving his life for you. Let's stand and pray. Jesus, once again, we just say how much we love you, Lord, and uh, we want to love you more. I want to love you more. Lord, so many times in my life I fall short, and God, thank you for your mercy and your grace and your extension, your invitation to a loving relationship with me. Lord, thank you, God, as we have been talking this last few weeks about going above and beyond in our faith, thank you, Jesus, that you went above and beyond the call of duty. Lord, really, it, it, even in a human way, as Paul said, it's hard for us to get our heads around that kind of love. It's hard for us to even imagine what kind of love comes out from your heart. Lord, we in turn, God, in, 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 even in our own weak way, we just want to say, Lord, we do love you. Help us to love you more. Help us to live it out. Help us to really believe what we believe. Help us to live like we believe it. Thank you for your great love. Thank you, Jesus, that out of your love, you created every person in this room here. You love them, and you have a plan for their lives. Thank you, Jesus, that you, that you came out of heaven, that you came in great humility. You lived a life of sinlessness for me and, and, and on these. Thank you that you took my sin upon yourself. You rescued me from my own selfishness. That you became sin for me. You died for me. 
Thank you that you rose from the dead and that now you have, you're, you're, you're making a place for us. You're praying for us in heaven and you're, you're getting ready for us to be with you after we leave this life. Thank you, God, for your eternal promises. And Lord, today we give our hearts to you and we say, God, we respond to your love. Thank you, Jesus, for who you are. Lord, and may we never forget to be thankful for your great love for us. In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you.